I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast, and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. We weren't here last week, so we took a week off, uh, but we're back, and we're going to be talking about an article I wrote called Home Sweet Home, and I got my regular partner here, Mr. Sean Latimer. Hello, hello. And new to the podcast... Should I say new to the Bonson Group? How long have you been in the Bonson Group now, Mr. Joe Klein? Six six weeks. Okay, so you're basically a veteran here at the Bonson Group, but <laughs> uh, first-time listener, first-time caller today. Yes, I am. So uh, Joe is the Director of Financial Planning here at the Bonson Group, and he is an absolute blessing to us. Um, he helps kind of oversee the whole financial planning department. Um, and as we move further into our family office offering, um, getting into the depths of intricate tax planning and estate planning, um, all that to say he's a perfect person to have here on this podcast. Um, and I can't say everything great about him without saying a couple critiques. He's a Mets fan. Boom. He's a Jets fan. Ugh. And he's a, was there a third team? They're also not good either, the Knicks. That's why I came to the Bonson <laughs> Group, because I needed some winning in my life. Oh, you needed some winning. There you go. I love there you it. Go. So, uh, fun topic to talk about today. I don't, you guys make fun of me that we always talk about kind of the same stuff, but I went, uh, I went a little bit outside of the scope of our norm. So, I called it Home Sweet Home because we're going to talk about homes. Um, housing prices across the United States have been uh, spiking, right? In the mm-hmm. last 12 months, I think the average sale uh, is somewhere between 15 to 20% higher than it was a year ago. Um, I use a little anecdote here that, uh, true story, my wife and I bought a house in October 2019. We had to have it appraised a few months ago, and it appraised, 24 months later, for 33% more than we paid for it. Um, And that's interesting. Uh, That's fun. Uh, You like to be on the winning side of those things that you bought at a a low, I guess. Um, But it leads people to uh, a lot of financial questions. Um, should I hurry up and buy something now if I don't own anything? Should I strike where the iron's hot and sell if I am an owner? Um, and I think uh, one of the reasons I want to talk about this is a lot of misconceptions. So we want to give really good advice. Why? Because this is a big financial decision that somebody's going to make. Uh, one of the things I mentioned in the article is that if you look at somebody's balance sheet, their personal residence usually is a big portion of their balance sheet. So uh, all the emotions of where stock prices are going should not lead you to making a quick off-the-cuff decision. It is a decision you should put a lot of thought into. So um, you are looking at me intently, Mr. Sean Latimer, so I will give you the microphone. uh, No, it's true. This is a really good topic because, uh, as you mentioned, the person's home is probably their biggest asset, and you just said that one of their biggest assets has appreciated more than they've probably ever seen before. And so the, the next obvious question is, well, what should I do? You know, What changes should I make? Should I do this? Should I do that? And it's it's a good topic. I'm glad we're talking about it. And to help kind of navigate this conversation, I would like to, and we'll add things to it, but today I would like to talk about, should I buy? Should I sell? Should I do anything? Um, and I would love to hear what your guys' advice around that is. Um, but my uh, new to the podcast, Joe Klein, I'll turn it over to you. You read the article. Kind of what were some of your thoughts or what have you seen um, in the advisor space on uh, what clients should do, should be thinking about, or... Um, some of the misconceptions out there? I'll start with asset allocation. And you talked about it being a big part of someone's balance sheet. If you have a one asset that's a big part of your balance sheet that's also illiquid or hard to hard to move, 
you do have to be really thoughtful around what are you doing with it, whether buying, whether selling, refinancing, downsizing, upgrading. And when you think about your asset allocation and where your, your balance sheet is, thinking about real estate beyond just a few stocks that you own, but also your residence and, and what does that entail. And I think that needs to be more often than not more thought out for individuals. And that's why they have advisors to help steer them through that conversation and looking at their balance sheet as a whole and not forgetting that they may own stocks in a portfolio that is a 10th allocated to real estate. But then if you have a million dollar home with a three quarters of a million dollar mortgage, that's also a big thing to consider in your asset allocation and something to really pay attention to, particularly as home prices continue to go higher. Question for both of you guys. And I'm there's no right answer, but I'm going to pose a binary question. Uh, and we'll start with you, Joe. Is your residence, your personal residence, is it an investment? No. Okay. Uh, sure. uh, there's a small caveat. If you can rent out a portion of it, and monetize it, then kind of, but generally, no. So it's a liability, not an asset. I mean, it's not literally, but that's kind of how you're articulating it. That's what I would say. John, what do you think? It's not. And uh, we've talked about that in the past, that if you are making a decision based off of a primary residence, it should be because you want to live there, not because it's a good investment. Yeah. And I think, so I'm probably, I'm, I think I give the same answer as you guys. I, I, I feel like when I first started getting interested in finance, I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and yes. it made a huge point to say that your personal residence is a liability. And he kind of went through that. So I think it was, uh, even though there's a lot of things I don't like that he says, um, that always stuck with me. And I think that truth, I love hearing advisors say that because Clients don't always think that way, right? That they're like, oh, I made some money on here. I need to move. And that's why I'm always trying to help them reframe like, no, this is where you make memories. Like, this is where you live. This is where you rest your head every night. Like, you have to understand what this is in in the entire picture of, of your balance sheet. And I like where Joe went with asset allocation because... Sometimes as you go up the spectrum of making more money, you you think I should have a little bit more house, a little bit more house. And uh, if it becomes too heavy of a weighting on your balance sheet, um, and if it is an illiquid asset, uh, that can become a problem. So to keep us on track, let's circle back. Somebody asked you, should I buy right now? What kind of advice are you giving, Sean? Well, one thing you mentioned is because it's an asset that you own for such a long period of time, even if you were to get a bargain or a good entry point, it is diluted over the course of time. And if you think about it, you sign up for most of the time a 30-year mortgage. That's a long time. But it goes back to the same argument. You're measuring a place that you're going to be living forever or hopefully forever, not an investment if it's a good time to get in and get out. And I look at the market prices now, and I think we all have that that feeling or that question like, oh, you know, should we figure out a way to sell our house? And and I guess if you're flexible enough and you could sell at a, sell it at a premium – if you go and buy something right now, you'd be buying at a premium. So maybe if you're upgrading, it, it makes sense. But if you're kind of doing a lateral movement, it doesn't. But if you were to sell and then maybe rent temporarily and you're okay being on the move, uh, Trevor, you and I have little kids. Like That sounds like a nightmare, trying to sell your house, move all your stuff, rent, and change their lifestyle. So I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I like where you went with that, if, if this idea of should I buy, uh, if that is the question we're trying to answer. You went to this idea of how long are you going to stay there? And that's, I don't actually think about that question a lot, but the average person stays in their home about seven years. But what I mentioned in the article is that whatever the transaction cost of buying, um, and uh, if you maybe overpay, 
it will dilute itself over time the longer you stay in there. It's like I said, look in the rearview mirror. Further you go away, things start to get a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think if you're in this idea of maybe buying, if you can see yourself staying at this place for 10 years, valuation's a little less important. Um, and I don't know if you should frame it such as an investment idea. Trevor, when I was reading your article, I actually wrote agree, agree, agree <laughs> in a lot of places. And the first question I would ask someone is, how long do you plan to stay there as well? And seven years, I, I've read five, I've read seven years as a kind of a break-even point on whether if you were to rent instead. And then the nuance goes into it. The second question I may ask is, can you even rent a home where you want to actually live? And if you have children and you want to be in a certain school district or certain neighborhood, that becomes a lot harder to do. For someone in their 20s that may have no kids, it's a lot easier to plop down in a certain area or take a chance on a neighborhood or a location when if you just have to move in 12 months, that's not really too much of a hassle, unlike Sean, who has little kids, or you, Trevor, have little kids and have fun moving every year for three years in a row that's not going to be enjoyable and then uprooting them out of school there's just a lot more nuance there yeah i I agree with you and there's a couple employees here at the bonsa group that have come at lunch or kind of in passing about conversations that they have an anxiety of really wanting to be a homeowner which i love the ambition and the desire but i tell them hey like if you go out and buy a a one-bedroom house that's not always easy to sell Um, and if, you know, for some of these folks, if you live in a three or four bedroom house with a couple other people, your cost, your mortgage is going to be more expensive. And, uh, as me and Sean have joked about, I'm, I'm an, I'm officiating a wedding on Sunday at my house and, uh, putting in new grass and a new back patio to get it ready for this wedding was not cheap. (laughs) Uh, the, the cost of, of being a homeowner, um, you don't fully grasp that until you're a homeowner. So I wrote in the article, my wife and I waited a long time to buy a home, and I'm glad we did because some of the places that we lived beforehand, one, a mortgage would have been more expensive, and two, those places would have been expensive to sell, and three, like Joe said, if you sell two or three properties in a short time period, those transaction costs and that friction takes away a lot from um, the equity you'd want to use for the next purchase. Yeah, and one thing you mentioned in the article is that the place that you and Nicole lived at was perfect for you two until it wasn't. Yeah. And then and then you were ready to make that move. Um, now, granted, that does take some planning and you need to be able to kind of look and say, okay, you know, we're married, we're hoping to have kids and we're going to need more space. So you do have to kind of have that in the back of your mind. You, you can't just decide last minute, we need to go find a house. But uh, I don't think there's a right, a perfect answer, but I, what I will say is if someone, well, I won't take away any of your, your no, thunder, go ahead, but go ahead, go ahead. someone was going to go in the conversation of should I sell, I think that that's a much more loaded question because you have to think about a lot of other stuff that, okay, if you sell it, what are you going to do with the money? Can, yeah, let's transition there because we, we got an idea that the advice to somebody, should I buy right now? I think we're saying the same thing, but I wouldn't focus so much that the market is expensive. I wouldn't feel a pressure to do it quickly. If you and whoever your significant other or whatever is making a decision with you decide that you want to be homeowners, 
I think now is as good of a time as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't sit and wait just to see if uh, the market's normalized to a, a price point. If it's affordable, gets you in the, the area you want to be, and it's the house you love, and you see yourself staying there a decade, cool, we've answered that question. But you're bringing up that sell question, uh, which is a lot of our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Now my house is worth X. I never thought it would be worth X. Should I sell it? Uh, go from there. Well, you bring up a really good point in the article that if Maybe some people just became empty nesters and they were kind of thinking about down, downsizing anyways, but they didn't know exactly what that would look like. Maybe this is a good little nudge where they're like, oh, wow, I had no idea we could get this for the house. Yeah, we should look into it. But the people that just look it up on Zillow one day, they had no intention of leaving or they have small kids or something like that. And they're trying to kind of fabricate this idea that like, oh, it's a good idea because we'll sell and we'll be able to buy it's a pretty tough market for for buyers and sellers right now. So if you're trying to sell at a premium and and you think you're going to go and find your dream house pretty easily at a discount, you're you're just not going to. So I I don't know. I I get anxiety just thinking about that, you know? Yeah, I like what you're highlighting because I feel like the sell decision has to be backed up by a a, a clear objective. We're selling because we're going to downsize. We always planned on it. We're selling because we're going to move out of state and be closer to our grandkids. We're selling because that because can't be because home prices the are really out. high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like timing the market, which we all know is just it's foolhardy to to try to do that and not to be lost in someone who has whether it's short term capital appreciation or long term capital appreciation is potential capital gains taxes if you actually sell your home. Yeah, somebody breaks through that threshold and it has to be a, a consideration. And I think it's a reality as financial advisors, we are going to talk to a lot of folks that are going to consider moving out of state. I would tell even those people, maybe you don't want to sell. Maybe you want to rent your house back for a year because reality is some people boomerang. Some people Mm -hmm. go to a different state and they've never, they don't know what that white cold stuff is that comes out of the (laughs) sky. And they're like, what is this? Um, So a lot of financial planning is giving yourself a lot of outs right? This idea of optionality. So it doesn't always have to be black and white. I sell this, I buy this, I do this. Hey, maybe you want to go try Tennessee for a couple of years. Maybe you want to go try North Dakota. And I'm going to tell you, you'll probably be right back in California pretty <laughs> soon. Um, so I, I think that people need to be thoughtful in those decisions. And what I try to highlight in the article, this isn't one of those small decisions, whether you should get the grande latte or the venti. Like, yeah, those aren't going to move the needle a lot. This is a big balance sheet item, um, but some people approach it nilly-willy, and they're just like, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, it, it does take a, a unique circumstance where they really benefited from the timing, but it's kind of like the the stock story. The person who hit a home run and got really, I don't want to say lucky, but they, they would rather be lucky than good, and, uh, and they benefit from it. There is someone who probably sells their house right now, goes and rents for six months to a year, and then who knows, maybe uh, valuations settle and they're able to purchase at a lower entry point in the same neighborhood they were before. I'm sure there's a story out there of someone that did it really well, but it just reminds me of that cocktail party. You're like, oh, I did this research and I did this and I did that. And it sounds so great. and Everyone wants that to happen, but it's definitely not the norm. Yeah. And I would I would prepare people. I like something else you said a little earlier of, yeah, if you're going to go home shopping, prepare yourself, brace yourself. Because uh, we did home shopping two years ago. Uh, and I remember we we found four houses that we really liked. And 
I'm going to blame myself. I know this is my fault. But we went through the house. We put an offer. And like me and Nicole, we'd go home. And I'd be like, oh, I can imagine our kids like second birthday at that house. And <laughs> we'll use this room for this. And then the agent calls us back. And they're like, oh, there was nine other offers. And they're not considering yours. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> so it's, it's not a fun process. Uh, we finally got to the point where we bought a home from a private seller. And I'm a huge advocate for that now. Like uh, maybe knock on some doors, talk to some friends. Um, maybe we, you can find the old school way of doing it where uh, you get a handshake agreement and then uh, you bring in the escrow company and stuff like that and kind of handle all the paperwork. But uh, the, the buying process is not easy, especially in the world where um, I was joking with somebody the other day that where a lot of people sit on social media, I just sit on some of these housing apps because I just like to look at it. Yeah. But it, it just means anything that goes onto the market, 900 eyeballs viewed that in the first 30 seconds. Uh, and the agents are staging it and putting it out on Saturdays and putting it at a little bit of a lower price to kind of uh, entice some people. Uh, it's a wild world out there when it comes to home purchases. I remember you telling me that when you were you and Nicole were looking, you mentioned you went to an open house. It was like one day on the market. And you say, hey, I think we're interested in putting an offer. And the agent told you, don't bother. The house is probably already sold. And you were like, what? <laughs> yeah, I remember the house specifically in San Juan Capistrano, like red door, white picket fence, like park across the street. And we're like, oh, my gosh, we love this. Called called my agent, who's a friend of mine that was going to help. And then I, I knew who the selling agent was, so I called him. And he's like, no, no, we're not taking offers. I'm like, it went on the market yesterday. He's like, they already got like 13 offers. They don't want to take any more offers. I'm like, but my family, I can send yeah. you a picture. I'll send you a letter. <laughs> Just how competitive. And that was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was two years ago. I was talking to a friend of mine, looked at over 60 houses. This is in New York on Long Island, but over 60 houses just a lot of work uh it's different for the seller you put it up it it goes in in a day uh yeah you probably have some decisions to make around that but then if you are selling you're either becoming a buyer or you're renting Mm -hmm. so the it it, what goes around comes around and that's why back to the personal residence being an investment you're always going to need it what's the rental market look like right now i know that you're uh joe just moved here from new york and so he's actually probably looking for the same thing and i'm not a homeowner i do have i do have real estate investments and we didn't touch this before but i do think it's important for people to be allocated to real estate of course if you if you link interest rates and inflation and then link that to rental the rental market they're all pretty in, in, a strip, in uh, all pretty linked together. So for me, I wanted to make sure that my wife and I had exposure to real estate in case inflation went up and my rent would go up. And pretty sure rents have gone up. I don't know, ten percent or something like that year over year. Uh, they're they're not cheap. Probably anywhere you go, at least relative to where they were twelve months ago. Uh, so I think that's always a, a factor to consider. But there are a long list of things that you have to consider when you own a home, cost wise. And as a renter, they're just lower. You just have less price certainty. The thing I I liked, and I can't speak for everybody, but when it was just me and my wife, like we lived in Dana Point. We lived in a one-bedroom place. We could walk to like Luciana's, one of our favorite Italian restaurants. We could walk to a bunch of places. That place was perfect for us, and we didn't really need to buy. And honestly, with how much we paid in rent, a mortgage would have been double or triple. So to all those articles out there that say it's better to buy than rent or rent than buy, like there's so many variables. Mm -hmm. And I even think about your friends. The hard part, if you look at 60 houses, two things come to mind for me, a little poker analogy. You feel pot committed. 
Like now I just got to buy a house. Yeah. Like I'm, already, <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm 60 <laughs> in, I got to buy a house. And then the other thing is it almost then becomes a competition. Like we're going to get this house. We're going to offer an extra 25,000. And you, you stop wanting the house and you just want the purchase. Yeah. Um, just and get it over with. Exactly. And it, it yeah, it, it just reminds me and what I really try to get through in the article of just if you ever feel rushed in a financial decision, slow down because uh, being rushed, feeling rushed is not the environment you want to be. Like we know behavioral economics tells us when our emotions get involved, uh, we are not the best decision makers. That's such a good point. I, I haven't really compared it to like an auction where you keep getting like outbid on items you want and That's you start to get analogy. that competitive like spirit. And I remember seeing that there's a, there's like funny social media videos that talk about that where they're like, all right, I want to put an offer in the house. And the agent's like, well, and they're like, you're right, it's too low. All right, increase it by 50,000. I'm like, well, and they're like, you're right, too low. Increase it by 100. And it's like, <laughs> it's really like that. And it's funny like that you – it's a game of competition because you are coming against a, a different agent that has – all the pictures are taken when the sunset's coming down. Yeah. They've watered down the uh, the driveway and it's got that sheen look. They've staged the house. Like it's uh, – you know, we live in a world or era of marketing. Uh, you know, know, know who you're going up against. Yeah. The, the last thing we'll end with, um, to just be conscious of our listeners' time, um, and, and this is one topic that, to me, I actually think this is, the buy is, for me, easy to give advice. The sell, if it makes sense, if there's like a, a because attached to it. But then the next question that I think everybody actually should ask is, I'm a homeowner, should I do anything? Um, and I, I was talking to a client recently and I understand that it's aspirational to just own your house outright. Um, and I think that's an amazing aspiration. But what I want people to understand is that equity in their home, I'm going to call it a savings account. On, on, in my world, on your balance sheet, it's another savings account. Yes, Joe's right. It's illiquid. It's not as easy to access. You'd have to do a cash out refinance or a home equity line of credit. But because it's a resource, because in my world, it's a quote unquote savings account. When, if financial planning is all about planning out future expenses, you have to put that on the table and figure out when that resource makes the most sense to use for a future expense. And I think sometimes people shy away from that. Uh, so with interest rates at all-time lows and with uh, home equity at all-time highs, part of the financial conversation should be, does this impact me? Should I be thinking about this? Should I be resourcing this? Yeah, I think a lot of times when we construct plans too, uh, depending on the amount of savings the person has, um, it's a really nice feeling to have their plan be successful without incorporating their primary residence. Because um, as Trevor said, it could be looked at as a savings account. And I think it should be. But it's also nice that if it's not looked at as an investment, just as their primary residence, but it's also like the best safety net in the world because you're assuming that you don't need any of that equity for the rest of your life. But if you did, it's there. Yeah, you, you, you live off income. You don't live off your home. But if you have a home with 100% equity, you could turn a little part of that into income and still be have a very manageable mortgage if you took out a small loan against it. And now you have assets to collect dividends against and interest against. And Sean, to your point, it's a great safety net that if you have the ability to own your home free and clear, particularly later in life, gives you a lot of flexibility and options. And I think when making financial plans for any client, 
the more options we have, the more tools in the toolbox, the better. And if the home is owned free and clear, then that's just another tool in the toolbox to access. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of that. Options is whatever financial decision that you want to make, I don't want anybody giving you advice to say, this is what you should do. Here's five or six things that you could do. I'm going to advise you to do this one, but here's my thinking. Here's the pros and cons of all these things. That's why I want people to get away from like, oh, I'll just never use my equity. No, 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 never say never. Uh, you, you have to consider what is the best for your financial decision. You have to look at the taxes. You have to look at liquidity. You have to look at your balance sheet. Um, and even with you talking about owning a home outright, one thing I'm intentional about doing now with clients, we use some financial planning software. And a lot of the time we're using cash flow reports, but those reports a lot of time will show the value of their investment assets. And sometimes I'll open the balance sheet and say, hey, let's go to some arbitrary age. Sean, you're 90 years old now. This is how much you're leaving to your heirs. Oh, really? How could it be that much? Because it's your investment assets plus your real estate. Um, and, and believe me, uh, your uh, your heirs aren't going to think that that's a nothing burger. Um, uh, inheriting a house outright in an asset that uh, has a, a strong historical growth pattern uh, is going to be meaningful to your legacy. So um, yeah, I think what we talked about today is, hey, if you're considering buying, uh, honestly, if it makes sense and it's it's what's best for your family, I wouldn't get too caught up in price. I wouldn't get too caught up in trying to say, oh, you know, the market's going to bubble and I'm going to buy when price is normalized. You probably won't. Um, six months down the road or a year, you will see prices a little bit higher and then you'll feel more pressured to just do it because you feel like you're behind the eight ball. If you want to sell, that's okay too. Just there has to be a because and the because has to make financial sense. Uh, last part is, um, should you do anything? Yeah, interest rates are at all-time lows. Equity is high. Uh, you should talk to your financial advisor. And most of the time, nine out of 10 times, you're not going to do anything. But one out of 10 times, it might make sense for your financial plan um, to resource equity or how you would leverage that in some capacity. Uh, And that's where financial advisor comes into play. That's how they help you advise on this idea. But you will read lots of articles about home prices and things you should do and the craziness. Tune out the noise. Sit down with your financial advisor. Make a plan. Why? Because this is a big decision. Um, uh, we are here to the end. So I'll ask you to rate the podcast. All comments are welcome. You can email at Tom at the You can address that email to Joe, Trevor, Sean, anybody you want. Um, and we're happy to answer your questions and we're happy to discuss here on the podcast, uh, any topics that you are interested in. Um, and that is it for today, but we will be back next week with more of your thoughts, thoughts on, on money. money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. 
The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.